The Virtual CISO Moment is brought to you by VCISO Services. VCISO Services' mission and calling is to provide quality cybersecurity and information security consulting and expertise for small and mid-sized businesses. While they are a leading provider of qualified and experienced virtual CISOs, they offer much more. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. We've got James McQuiggan with us today. He is, well, he has over 20 years of experience in cybersecurity, is currently a security awareness advocate for No Before, one of the best training platforms out there, I must say. Been a No Before user for over 10 years now, uh, where he is responsible for amplifying the organization's messaging related to the importance of effectiveness and the need for new school security awareness training within organizations through social media, webinars, in-person presentations, industry trade shows, and traditional media outlets. He does a lot of other things as well, too. I'll let him talk about it. James, thank you so much for joining us today. Greg, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. So yeah, I, I forgot to mention beforehand that I am a huge No Before fan. We'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later on. But uh, how about you start from the beginning? How and why did you get into cyber? And talk a little bit about your career path and how you got to where you're at today. Um, as I sometimes like to say, uh, I took a wrong turn and I think, <laughs> I think that's what a lot of, uh, us security folks have. We ended up here. No, honestly, uh, yeah, been in the IT cybersecurity industry 20, 25 years now, uh, started way back when with an A plus certification working for, uh, a, a large computer manufacturing company down in Texas, uh, four letters. We'll leave it at that. Rhymes with bell. There you go. Um, <laughs> And I uh, did that for about three years. And then uh, I started, uh, I made a big leap and my career took off with working for a, a little German company called Siemens. Uh, spent about 18 years working for them and did a variety of different roles. Had a lot of great opportunities there. Uh, and one of the groups that I was a part of, we did monitoring for gas turbines. So I was part of the energy division. Uh, I was actually part of the business doing a lot of IT type work, but more within the business. So it wasn't the regular IT infrastructure. It was more of working with monitoring systems that were connected to the power plant, collecting data and bringing it back. And eventually I got into a role where I was responsible for all the networking of that, uh, uh, of those systems, being able to connect back to our headquarters in Orlando and uh, have remote access for those systems as well. And this was mid 2000s towards the late 2000s. And a, within the U.S., there is a compliance regulation requirement for cybersecurity for uh, power plants, transmission facilities, and so forth. And so I got, a lot, I got involved in compliance, and it allowed me to be introduced to our director of corporate security and our product security officer for Siemens. And they came along with me to several locations uh, to audit our setups, our VPN setups, the you know, running antivirus on our monitoring systems and those kind of things, but had a lot of great conversations with both of them. And I remember at breakfast one morning, they said, you know, you should look at getting your CISSP. And I meant my CI, what? <laughs> and uh, so at that point, that kind of started the progression into cybersecurity for me, uh, many months studying for the CISSP and uh, obtained that in late of 2008. And joining IAC Squared changed a lot for me as well. 
not only with having the certification, I then got a, was able to get a, a part of the corporate security office uh, at Siemens here in North America and got to be involved in security awareness. And from there, just a passion. It was kind of one of those light bulb moments where I realized I really do enjoy talking about cybersecurity, helping people. And uh, fast forward to 2018, uh, 2019, and I was at Black Hat. And I had a couple of friends of mine who were working for No Before and they were, they asked me, Hey, do you, you know, would you want to do what we do? The evangelist role, the advocate role, going around talking about cybersecurity, writing blogs, doing presentations, working on a podcast, you know, doing podcasts. And I'm like, do I? So I got to meet with our vice president of PR. And after 45 minutes, she said, what's it going to take for you to leave Siemens? So uh, for me, I'm like, well, I got to give them two weeks. So uh, I joined in October of 2019 and pretty well, this has been one of the best roles, best jobs I've ever had. And, you know, it's not a job if you're having fun. Right. And for me, uh, you know, getting up in the morning is, is even, even that more, more exciting, getting to work with a fantastic team, the folks that know before the incredible platform that we have. Uh, and also just again, going around to conferences, giving presentations, COVID kind of put a dent in that did a lot of virtual presentations, uh, over the 18 months to two years, but now getting back out again, going to events, uh, presenting at those, talking with people, meeting with people, getting to meet folks, even like yourself that, that love the know before product and, you know, are happy campers. And we always love to meet those. And, and now, uh, one of the other fun, uh, roles that I have is I'm the producer of our security masterminds podcast. And so basically it, for me, it's a little bit of editing, it's promoting, it's booking, uh, uh, doing the recording with our two hosts that we have, Eric and Yella. And uh, it's just a great, again, just another one of those great opportunities of being able to connect with people in the industry and, and have those great conversations and get the word out and help promote more about cybersecurity. And, and that podcast is a No Before podcast or your own? It is. It's a No Before sponsored podcast gotcha. and uh, it's called Security Masterminds. Well, if they so, ever want to sponsor there we go. another podcast too. Ah, very yeah. nice. <laughs> I got my coasters, got my stickers. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and no before, did they not just have a um, their their annual conference recently? We did. Florida? A couple of weeks ago here in Orlando at the Gaylord Palms, we had our K Before Con 23. Uh, basically two full days of uh, sessions and networking and and uh, hands-on, we had a, a lab environment, a theater as well, where folks could hear a, a smaller presentations and then breakout sessions. We had uh, fantastic keynotes this year. Uh, and again, just promoting the, the cybersecurity, security culture mindset within organizations, getting beyond just doing security awareness and phishing assessments, but looking at building that security culture within organizations. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what, you think might be one of the top threats for small and mid-sized businesses. We'll get to that in just a moment after this word. Bitdefender provides cybersecurity solutions with leading security, efficacy, performance, and ease of use to small and medium businesses, mid-market enterprises, and consumers. Guided by a vision to be the world's most trusted cybersecurity solutions provider, Bitdefender is committed to defending organizations and individuals around the globe against cyber attacks to transform and improve their digital experience. 
You know, just one other thing about KB4Con is that every time it comes up, it's like, and for years now, I'll be like, this is the year I'm going to go. This is the year I'm going to go. And and I have never gone. But <sighs> sometime before I retire, I, I have to do it. <laughs> Hopefully well, well before I retire. We've already announced the dates for next year, and it's at the beginning of March next year. So um, you can get it on your calendar now and hopefully be able to uh, work around that. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to have you come to Orlando. It'd be great to and see it, you. And it's always in Orlando, right? It has been, and it is again next year. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll put it on the calendar. All right. So you work in security awareness, obviously. You work with um, uh, all size businesses, but but mm -hmm. certainly small and mid size would be part of that. What would you think right now in this environment is one of the top, if not the top, information security threats to small and mid-sized businesses? You know, organ with the small, medium businesses, they're limited in a lot of, you know, the, the capabilities that enterprise organizations have, whether it's resources, whether it's budget, technology. Um, they're looking to, in their business, they're looking, you know, to make the profit and, and be successful and, and go forth. And a lot of the time they say, yeah, we take security seriously, but how much security can they can they put forth? And so one of the biggest threats uh, that I see a lot of the time is they're limited on those resources. And so with the threats always coming out with, you know, we see all the new vulnerabilities that come out all the time. Um, we're dealing with uh, an in a significant increase in social engineering, the phishing attacks. And when we look at attacks and data breaches in organizations overall, 70 to 80% of that is going to be because of either some sort of human error, whether that's through social engineering, misconfigured systems, unpatched systems. That's how we see that the cyber criminals are getting into the organization, which then unfortunately leads to either business email compromise or ransomware attacks or data breaches, um, or they're looking to leverage it for supply chain attacks. Uh, I had a conversation the other day with somebody, again, regarding small, medium businesses, and it involved around the fact that, well, we're just a small, medium business. We don't have a lot that a cyber criminal might want to steal. And what a lot of folks miss with regards to that is the issue that you are probably, if you're providing a service, you're providing services most likely to enterprise organizations. And if you've got clients, then for a cyber criminal, there's a way for them to connect to all of them or manipulate if you're your software or your product that can then damage it down the line for the larger organizations and cause even bigger uh, problems overall. It's like dropping that pebble in the water. The ripple effect just carries on and on and on. And a lot of the time, and we've been seeing it, I mean, SolarWinds was kind of the big wake up call with regards to supply chain. And we've been seeing a lot more of those supply chain attacks and cyber criminals want to go after those smaller organizations because they know that they don't have this, the strong, uh, defenses that an enterprise organization has and they can use that smaller fish to get to the bigger fish uh, and if need be uh, ransomware attacks business email compromise or those supply chain attacks well i i'll even take it a step back further in time i think one watershed moment for that as well too was and i believe it's been almost 10 years now which is hard to believe but it was the target attack yeah, um, there yep. was a. If I remember the story correctly, there was an HVAC subcontractor mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania, and they, very small business, they were compromised, and because they had a VPN connection into Target Central, then that was the vector in to be able to introduce that POS malware. Yep, and unfortunately, and, the way Target's network was set up, 
they weren't segmented. They didn't have different levels of, of protection. It was all one flat network. And so once they got in, they were, it was the, you know, <laughs> the, the, the smorgasbord for them of, uh, of getting to all the different systems. Which uh, is, is, of course, part of the uh, PCI DSS. And I don't know if, right. if this is a result of that now. It's just like always try to segment off your cardholder data environment right. so that, you know, it, it, at the very least, you know, your, your PCI liability, if you will, is, is, is limited there. Um, there's, there's a lot to unpack there with regards to small and mid-sized businesses about what they need to do. But they, and you said that it's always such a challenge with resources. Uh, what is one thing or what is something that they can do like a piece of advice to small mid-sized business to start attacking that mountain? Because you can't have someone come in and say, you need to do this, 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 this on down the line. And all of a sudden, not only do you not have the time for it, you don't have the money for it. And you just, it's, it's not reasonable. You're going to go out of business spending all that money just to try to stay in business. How can they prioritize? Yeah, I certainly want to be going through and, and prioritizing those different risks, looking at what risks, what vulnerabilities that they have are going to have the greatest impact for them. You know, going through and doing basic cyber hygiene, you're going to get that from a lot of the providers or, you know, whether through your email, whether it's your Office 365, your Google, they've got a variety of different tools that are built in that can help you with your email. When we look at the biggest threats and we look at the way that cyber criminals are getting in and we see from the Verizon data breach investigation report that comes out every year that all the security people love, we see time after time, year after year is the cyber criminals are getting in through social engineering over 30, 35%, you know, a good third of those attacks. And when you want to focus, yes, you, and depending on the small and medium business, what they've got is part of an infrastructure, whether they've got on-prem systems or they're using completely cloud infrastructure, looking at your users, because the users are the number one attack vector and essentially the last line of defense. And a lot of people, some people get upset by, well, they shouldn't have to be a line of defense. Because we have technology and we should have more technology to be able to protect them. And I you, agree. You, you've read my mind. I was just about to ask you about that, but go ahead. Yeah. So my response and usually when I have these conversations is, look, the cyber criminals that are out there that are doing these attacks, they've gone out and bought the, 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 the more advanced ones and that have the money. They've bought the hardware that organizations are using the secure email gateways, the firewalls and so forth. They have the technology and they're going through and analyzing those systems, looking for those weaknesses. They're looking to see, okay, with the default filter set on a secure email gateway, what can we get through with efficient email? And I know a lot of folks talk about now with chat GPT and, you know, AI is creating all these emails that are going to make it easier. We still kind of, we still need to take the same approach when it comes to our email and making sure that we're verifying it. We're not clicking on strange links, getting that education on what to look for when you get those phishing emails and having that security awareness and training is going to go a long way because when your humans are the number one attack vector, you want to get them educated. And a lot of the time business owners may think, yeah, okay, again, we may not get attacked. Nobody knows us. Fine. Sure. But at some point they are going to find you and they are going to know about you and they're going to be sending emails out. But considering the fact that that since that's one of the big attack vectors, you want to get your users educated. And at the cost of a data breach, you know, a cost of a ransomware attack that's going to 
you know, generate millions of dollars of, of loss in, you know, your bottom line, uh, recovery costs and those kind of things. If you're a small business and you get hit with ransomware and you're not able to recover and you can't pay the, the ransom, you're, the likelihood of you going out of business, you know, certainly gets accelerated and is a lot higher. So looking at the cost of security awareness training is insignificant as compared to what your recovery costs are going to be. And if you can eliminate a good third to half of the reasons that cyber criminals are getting in by doing security awareness training, doing it frequently, not just once a year, once a year is what we call compliance security um, right. and that they don't equal the same thing. You want to be doing it frequently. You can't go to the gym one day out of the year and expect to have a muscular toned, you know, body. Oh, you there goes my plan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, you, you've got to work at it. I mean, you go to the gym, you're doing leg day and cardio day and back day and arms day and weights and whatever it is, you're working at it. The same thing applies here when it comes to cyber, when it comes to your security awareness program and training, it's got to be frequent, you know, whether you're doing it once a month, quarterly, hopefully more than quarterly, but, and it doesn't always have to be the same training. It doesn't always have to be you know, 15 minutes of time. It could be something that's a few minutes. It could be a video. It could be another training module, but something just to keep security top of mind and grow a security culture in your organization. Now, working 18 years at Siemens, I went to a lot of power plants and a lot of wind turbine facilities. And at every single one of them, health and safety is number one at the plant, at that location. They give you a training video. You got to take a quiz. You got to pass it. Then you get your little sticker and everybody loves stickers. And then you put it on your hard hat and it goes, great. You did your training. Okay, good. Having that training again is more of a compliance, but having that training, keeping safety top of mind, I would go in on the daily meetings and every beginning of every meeting, somebody had a safety moment. And I sat there and said, what if they did a cyber moment as well as a, a health and safety moment? You know, talking mm. about passwords, talking about MFA, talking about when you log in, be aware of these emails. Again, looking to drive that culture of security. And I know it's not easy. And I know a lot of people just kind of roll their eyes when it comes to cybersecurity. It's like, well, you know, that's what the IT guys are for. That's what the security is supposed to, uh, the technology is supposed <laughs> to be doing. But when we're getting those emails into the inbox, anybody that's got an email, address within an organization essentially has the keys to the electronic front door for that organization. And mm -hmm. they can open up that door with a single click and they don't get to see the cyber criminals coming in because they'll come in and essentially they're invisible because they're coming in through your computer. Unlike if you had keys to the front door of your home and you lost your wallet and your keys, now they, the criminals, the burglars are going to know where you live. Well, you can change the locks. Mm -hmm. You can take actions to be able to protect your home. This is the same thing when it comes to that security awareness and training. These are steps to help protect your organization from these kind of attacks. And by educating your users, then you're removing one of the big issues overall that organizations are going to face or face daily with these cyber attacks. So you mentioned a little bit earlier, you're talking a little bit about AI and of course, with security awareness. A couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I had similar discussion about how AI is somewhat changing now the, mm -hmm. the ability to social engineer. No longer is the advice like check for bad grammar or something like that. I'm curious, as much as you can say, um, from a no before perspective, how can we counter this training uh, challenge as we go forward? Because some of the old things that we used to say aren't going to be that effective anymore. We got to right. we got to come up with the new approach. 
So a little story last year, we're almost two years ago now. Um, it was right before lunch and I had a noon meeting on a zoom call with a customer and we had had some discussions leading up to it. There was some confusion. Whose zoom were we going to use mine, theirs. And I said, all right, we'll who's zooming who? <laughs> who's zooming who? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a song that goes with that. Um, uh, and I was connected and I was waiting. Well, uh, I usually have everything closed down. I just had the Zoom window open. But I have my phone sitting on a cradle in front of me and it popped up with a G- with a, an email. And it was, uh, you have somebody waiting on your call. And it was, you know, the Zoom email that you usually get. And I'm like, oh, crud, am I in the wrong email, uh, wrong Zoom call? And they're in the other one? Okay, all right, well, let me get in there. You know, you got somebody waiting. Here's the link. Click to connect the meeting. All right, well, let's see which meeting they're in. And I clicked on the link. And up pops a no before login box and the sweat, you know, that cold bead of sweat just started running down the middle of my back. And it was mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. There's no way. I talk about this every day. There's no way they just got me. So I go back and I hover over the link and sure enough, yes, it was one of our no before phishing simulated emails because we get fished all the time internally because we've got to make sure that we're aware. Mm-hmm. And I reconnect back into the other Zoom meeting and there's the customer waiting. We have our meeting and we get done. Disconnect. Great. Thanks. Okay. I'll clear it up. And now in my inbox, I have the congratulations. You missed the, uh, you know, the phishing <laughs> simulation that was sent out to you. Here is the refresher training course. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Not $200. <laughs> and of course I go through the training. I'm like, yeah, I know that. I mean, I talk about this. I know this. Um, and of course, then you get the little fun quiz at the end and I'm like, you know, if I mess any of these up, I'm just not going to hear the end of it from our IT guys. So <laughs> I finish that and I get done. But one of the cool things we get to do is provide feedback, mm-hmm. which is great because it helps them understand what was going on at the time that I clicked on the link. Because we're all smart, educated people. You know, security is all about reducing risk, right? And security awareness, phishing simulations, it's never going to be 100%, mm-hmm. but it's helping reduce that risk overall. Well, I provided the feedback that I was worried that I was in the wrong call. I was rushed. I just clicked on the link because I thought they were already, you know, connected. And that was at that moment. It's like, I was rushed. I was in a hurried state. We always talk about, take a moment to slow down, think before you click and everything else. And I missed all that. So I had to create a new habit. And when it comes to security, this is all about changing habits. When it comes to email, when it comes to checking links, when it comes to MFA, password managers, you name it. Everything is about creating new habits. And so now what I do is I go through and I ask essentially three ish type questions. Am I expecting the email? Do I know, is this person a stranger and are they asking me to do something unexpected or in a hurried environment, you know, got to click right now, got to click in the next 30 minutes. You got to do this in 30 minutes. I need this back by the end of the day, those kind of things. And by going through those steps, this was a habit that I had to, this was part of my fishing grief. I had to go through, now I go through and it's like, okay, if I don't know the person, I'm checking all the, I'm checking, make sure, you know, where they're coming from. If there's a link, if they're wanting me to do anything, if I'm answering yes to those questions, I'm going to stop and verify. I don't Mm -hmm. care what's going on. If I'm in a rush, if I'm in a rush and I'm not sure, then I'm leaving the email. There's nothing that critical because if it is, then someone's going to call me on the phone if it's absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. And having to take the time and having to go through, as I mentioned, the fishing grief, because, you know, when we look at grief, there's the whole, you know, shock, shock, denial, um, bargaining, um, anger, and then acceptance or anger, mm-hmm. bargaining and acceptance. Right. Well, I've come up, I kind of 
came up with the whole concept of fishing grief where it's you get you're shocked initially like oh my gosh i can't believe that happened then there's denial no 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 i didn't really enter any credentials i closed it out right away probably not as bad then you get angry because we're all smart people we're educated mm -hmm. we're you know we know what a we know what a scam looks like but we miss it sometimes when it comes to the email and then you get to the acceptance and that's where it's like, okay, what did I learn from this? What do I need to do to move on to make sure this doesn't happen again? I didn't mention bargaining because you can't bargain with the IT folks when you click the link. Yeah. Click the link. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, game over. You're going to have to um, you know, do the training and move on. But it was through that that made me realize that, okay, I've got to go through, ask these three questions and take the time with every single email. Don't be rushing through it. Don't be trying to clear up that inbox. You know, our email is, yes, communication to the outside and people want to have that empty email box at the end of the day so they can be show they were productive and go home or walk out of their home office and show that they were done. But if they're rushing through that inbox, trying to clear stuff out and there's something about benefits or something about, hey, you just got a stock, you know, award or whatever that makes you go, Ooh, and then you want to click without really checking the sources, checking the links, who it's coming from those kind of things, then you're going to fall victim to it and, you know, possibly endanger organization. But as I said before, this is all about reducing risk. Mm -hmm. When you, when you go through and you're doing a phishing campaign with your organization, when you, before you do it, you always baseline. And essentially you're wanting to find out what percentage of your organization is prone to falling victim to phishing attacks, social engineering attacks. And so you send out that first phishing email and see how many people click on it. And usually we see it's about 30% of the people in an organization. So if you got a hundred people, you got a thousand people, that's 33, 333 people that you're going to have. They're going to click on that link and open that door. Right. Going through the training after 90 days, you get down to about one in six. So you cut it in half a little bit. Your goal is to get it less than 5%. So one in out mm -hmm. of every 20. So, you know, out of, you know, five or, you know, 50 people in your organization, that's a lot more manageable for an IT person or your team or folks or a managed service provider to go through and make sure that folks aren't clicking on links, going through and making sure they're checking that email. Again, looking at reducing that risk overall in having that opportunity where a cyber criminal goes, hey, look, here we go. We got access into this organization and then looking for ways to pivot and gain access to other systems. But um, yeah, looking at reducing that risk overall, getting your folks educated and doing it frequently and growing that security culture overall is what's going to help protect your organization. And like manufacturing healthcare, it's all about health and safety. Add that security culture in there Again, just another one of those habits to go through and, and work on. So a lot of stress involved there, particularly if you click on a phishing email and you have to deal with IT like laughing at you, basically. <laughs> you know, they, and, it's, and it's funny, they, you, know, they you, bring, you bring up a great point, Greg, because we sit there and go, oh, great, they got me. Right. And that's what a lot of people think. It's like, oh, those IT guys, they got me. You're angry at the IT folks as well. But it's a teaching moment, especially right. when it's phishing right. simulated. It's a teaching moment. And it took right. me a while to get out of the it's a gotcha, but it's a teaching moment, giving exactly. you an opportunity to be able to learn from it. It should always be a learning moment and not a, yeah. uh, I mean, we joke about it, but it should never be punitive. Um, a lot of stress involved being in cyber. What's one of the things that you do to decompress from all the stress? Drink. Um, so, <laughs> so over, well, there's a couple of things. So over COVID, because that was really the stress of everybody, um, I 
finally picked up a, a, a hobby that I've been wanting to do for a number of years. Uh, and that was uh, making cocktails. I wanted to learn how to make oh, other fun cocktails. Okay. And a uh, mixologist. So, mixologist. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, uh, and for me, a lot of it was just mimicking and, and trying different recipes and, and doing different things. But what ended up happening is, was my small whiskey bourbon collection of about a dozen bottles blew up to 10 times that. So now I've got everything from the rums and the mezcals and the tequilas and the gins, all different kinds of gins, um, Irish whiskey, Scottish whiskey, Danish whiskey, um, all the different liqueurs, and then just making cocktails. Um, I love to make gin cocktails. They're a lot of fun. I actually found one. The guy's out of Oregon. He's a, a bartender up there, and he created a cocktail called a fish hook, and it's spelt with a PH. It's a fish hook, and it's with... Um, and I, it's been a couple of months since I made it, but it's, it's made with um, gin, St. Germain, uh, elderflower liqueur, which is really sweet, uh, some lime juice, and then some other additional uh, additives that go with it. Um, it's a really nice cocktail. I've made it. I did it on a webinar I did one time. And uh, yeah, so cocktail making was kind of my, my big distressor. Love at the end of the day, get to the weekend. It's like, let me have a cocktail. Um, well, so, uh, that's yeah. a, that's one of those things where it's, 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 you know, you, you're talking about going to the gym. It's like, Oh, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to practice. I don't want to, ah, you know, practicing, like mixing drinks. It's not too bad. I guess that'd be all right. No, nope, um, future like, plans, future plans. Um, right now, like I said, loving the, the no before family working there. Uh, that's really keeping me busy. I also, uh, the chapter president here in central Florida for the ISC squared, Central Florida wow. chapter. Uh, we do monthly meetings. We do virtual monthly meetings and face-to-face -face events. We do quarterly training events. So uh, running that, uh, working with an awesome team of folks that I have uh, on the board. Uh, again, supporting the community, helping that education. Uh, I'm also a part-time college professor as well. Uh, Valencia College uh, here in Central Florida. So yeah, a lot of people go, when do you sleep? And I'm like, oh no, I, I, I find time to sleep. Uh, everything just gets compartmentalized and, and everything else. So uh, right now, you know, just, you know, know before teaching the chapter, keeping busy, doing some traveling. Uh, and that's one of the things I love about with with no before going to all these different events. Now that we're face to face, hitting the road again, meeting people face to face, going different places. Uh, that's always, uh, it's always been very enjoyable and, um, yeah, so that's keeping me busy. Oh, that's awesome. And I hope to make it to KB4 con next year. Definitely. Hopefully get a chance to meet you in person. James really appreciate you coming on today and sharing some great stories and great, wonderful information as far as like no before and awareness goes. We appreciate that. My pleasure. And everybody, stay secure. <laughs>